Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber here at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Kramer's at one market in San Francisco setting up for a big week. Central bank meetings, including the Fed, investor days, flash PMIs. Yields do continue to climb. Tenure passes 3.5, and that's a fresh decade high. Our roadmap begins with the sell-off. Futures pointing to further losses at the open following the worst week for stocks since June. Plus, as Carl just said, Treasury yields climbing. This ahead of the Fed's latest rate moves this week. The tenure did hit its highest level since 2011. And another bad weekend for crypto. Bitcoin tumbling more than 7% so far this month. We begin with Jim. Uh, We mentioned investor days this week, Jim, and that's sort of why you're in San Francisco. Yeah, look, I think that there are a lot of people are trying to figure out when tech will stop going down. Tech is really what's bleeding the worst. I think that tech is integral to a Fed policy of actually trying to make one of our two assets go lower. I think the Fed wants stocks worth less. I think the Fed wants our homes worth less. I think the Fed wants people to go back to work. And David, the easiest way to make them go back to work is to make them need money. And I actually think that's behind this. Wait, explain this to me. You think what's behind this? They're trying to make people lose money? I, yeah. I actually believe at this point, they know that if they take rates up a lot, then you're gonna sell stocks and you're gonna buy treasuries. Uh, it's relentless. I think it can get to a level where it's silly, but we're just not at the silly level yet, David. I really do believe that. I, I spent a lot of time thinking over the weekend, why do the markets go down every day? And I think a lot of it's because the Fed doesn't care. The Fed just says, you know what? We've got to make people hungrier. We've got to make people go back to work. People haven't. And that's one of the reasons why we have rampant inflation. Well, Carl, the S&P lost, what, 4.8% last week. Um, I'm looking at some stats here. Eighth time this year that it has lost at least 3% in a week. Uh, in the seven previous occasions, the following week was positive. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you and I get the same research. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Uh, thanks, J.P. Morgan. But the average gain, Jim, on those following weeks was about 4.5%. I think someone pointed out largely Fed weeks, though, uh, which have been definitely uh, helpful, at least so far this year. I don't know. Uh, Your point about draining liquidity is a good one. Uh, And uh, I noticed, uh, for example, Zillow today, August home sales down three tenths. That's the worst month on month in about a decade. So there goes uh, some housing value as well. Look, I think that we're getting there. I mean, we got to get to the point where housing, where our house is worth less. We got to get to the point where our stock portfolio is worth less and that we're getting there. I mean, maybe they're in 10 trading sessions. Maybe September is the pain point. But when I listen to the guests this morning on Squawk Box, nobody thinks they're going to stop here. I think that they can stop raising rates when our homes go down in value, when our stock portfolios go down in value, and we have to go back to work. And, Carl, there are so many people that have not come back to work. 
And I still think people misunderstand, Carl, how much COVID has changed the equation. It just doesn't come up enough. I think Jay Powell is acutely aware that we got to get people back to work simply because they just can't stay home anymore. I want to wait. I want to make a quick clarification here, though. You're talking about actually back to having a job as opposed to going back to the office. Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure because these days back to work can mean getting back to the office, which is another topic that I'm sure we'll hit on today as well, given some stats we saw from last week. But you're talking about people who've left the workforce, getting them back into the workforce. Yes. I mean, David, where's their money coming from? I think they've had an unbelievable run in their portfolios. I think everybody feels great about their house still. I, I, I was at Home Depot last week. There's no degradation. Uh, people still want to spend a lot of money in their homes. But, David, it's just we have to accept the fact that people haven't come back to work at the rank and file. Listen to Phil LeBeau this morning talking about problems in the auto business. They haven't come back to work. Uh, now, why, what stocks do I think are unaffected by this? I think the, the well, unlike the autos, I don't think healthcare. I think healthcare is doing well. Uh, I think the banks don't mind. But I think there's a lot of industrials where they're just short parts. And last week, there were things that happened that I felt devastating. Nucor, which had been this incredible engine, largest steel company, just saying, listen, flat out, we have less demand. And then we have a lot of the semis saying, look, the NAND and the the basic building block DRAM uh, saying, look, orders are down. And then, David, we have a whole other thing going on where it's like, you know, if you're on an assembly line, you're not, you haven't come back to work. I don't know the psyche. I don't know the psyche. I am desperate. I ask everybody out here, what is the psyche of a person who can just stay home? And usually I keep coming back and hearing they have a lot of money. So people who worked on assembly lines have a lot of money? Yes. Hourly workers have not come back. Well, you act, David, I'm, I'm, you are, you're quizzical, and I don't blame you. You're giving me pushback. I don't blame you. But I think we'll hear it from the auto companies. I'm seeing Cruise today, which is GM self-driving, talk a lot to the major auto companies. People just haven't come back to work on the supply chain either. I mean, I think there are a lot of high-end semiconductor companies that simply can't produce what they have to produce. I'm going to see NVIDIA this week. I'm concerned about NVIDIA. What's your concern about NVIDIA, Jim? Well, have you seen uh, the way that Bitcoin is traded? They still have this. They're moving away. Ethereum's new merger means that you do not need uh, graphics cards. That has been an unintended consequence for NVIDIA. They make these great cards, and those people have been, have been uh, the people who've been mining have been using them. You do not need their cards anymore to mine. And at the same time, they haven't been able to make the transition yet to being artificial intelligence, a virtual reality. Uh, we're just not there yet at machine learning. So we've got the high tech stuff uh, not there yet producing earnings. And we have the lower stuff being hurt by this Ethereum transfer. David, I, I don't know how much you follow Bitcoin, but Bitcoin seems to be another thing that the Fed is sick of. Yeah, we're going to talk a bit more about you that. Like that though, you like that, don't you? You like that. I like what? That the Fed's sick of Bitcoin. <laughs> I don't know what the Fed is sick of. Uh, I did read a lot. I did read a lot, Carl, this weekend about the merge, about the Ethereum yes. merge. Yes. Got a lot of a uh, lot of play. Of course, well, the the, high, the the theme seemed to be it's still not going to cure what's wrong with crypto, but it's obviously a good thing, certainly for energy use. Yeah. Well, Jim, to your larger point, though, okay, Fed needs to drain more liquidity. Uh, clearly, uh, thirty nine hundred was pretty pivotal on Friday. 
Uh, I think uh, BTIG pointed out it's actually the level that's had the most volume over the last three years. Right. But I assume now you're, you're talking about revisiting June lows, right? Which for the S&P we'll is about here. five and a yeah, half percent for, away. Yes, for a lot of stocks. I think, well, look, if we got to get three breaks. We got to get the Chinese to get away from a COVID policy that is unnecessary. They have to take the Moderna. We have to have the Ukrainians drive out the Russians. And we have to have the Fed saying, OK, we know that 4% on a two-year piece of paper is better than most stocks. So people are going to sell their stocks, take them down. And at that point, we bought them. And maybe it means it's a June. But I do think we bought them. I mean, I think that if we get any one of those three, Carl, uh, we're going to regret that we sold, which is why you still have to stay the course. But you must be willing to take punishment. You have to, Carl. You can't just be out there and say, you know what? Buy, buy, buy. You have to say punishment and then buy. Well, uh, Carl, Jim, I mean, a cessation of the hostilities in Ukraine would be, we'd be up on a lot of things very quickly. Right? You would so not want to be you, short that day. How can you sell? I mean, not that it's going to happen, unfortunately. We can all hope it will, uh, that there will be some unexpected reversal by, uh, by Putin. But, but nonetheless, it is a risk if you're short. I think it really is. I listened to President Biden last night on 60 Minutes. I mean, incredible hawk on Taiwan. I, I didn't, wow. Uh, but I don't think he's going to let Ukraine lose. That, that, Carl, that was a kind of a seminal interview. We had a president who basically said, Russia, look out. We had a, a president who said, China, you're nothing. Uh, th- this is very, very strong stuff. Uh, it tends to be walked back. But I do think that if I were Russia, I'd be thinking, you know what? Maybe this was a big mistake. Maybe our leader is uh, out of touch. If we get that, Carl, what are we going to And we're short NVIDIA. It's a loser. Uh, certainly, Kathy Wood's been doubling down, uh, buying quite a bit last week, Jim. You mentioned the 60 Minutes interview, and Scott Pelley covered a lot of ground. Uh, the decision on whether to run in 24, obviously the defense of Taiwan, saying the pandemic is over, his own mental acuity. And then, of course, inflation, where the president seemed to want to emphasize month-on-month growth. Take a listen. Let's put this in perspective. Inflation rate month to month is just uh, 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 just an inch, hardly at all. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it is good news, but it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not you. I, I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2 percent. It's the highest inflation rate, Mr. President, in 40 years. I got that. But guess what we are? We're in a position where for the last several months it hasn't spiked. It has just barely, it's been basically even. That was sort of the message coming out of the print, Jim. Uh, basically a tenth on growth over the past two months. But uh, we like to frame things in year on year. Look, uh, it's great that the president says that's true, that it's flat. It's flat now. It's flattened out a completely unsustainable, horrendous level for the average person. I don't think the president is going to say that because that's his core constituency. But, David, when I heard that, what I said was, okay, Powell's got a lot of work to do because 8%, it may level off. He can't just level it off. He's got to bring it down. David, the pain speech, okay, the pain speech is still very much in my mind. That's why I came up with that housing thesis and the stock thesis. Where's the pain going to come from? Your savings. It's going to it's going to come from your house going lower. Those people will have to come to work. If they come to work, then we're going to see wages lower. That's how you break the cycle, David. I don't, what, how do you break the cycle? What's your rap on the cycle break? Yeah, David. Uh, yeah. God, I know I need a rap on that. I don't have one, uh, but I never do, Jim. I allow you to rap for all of us. 
But that said, you're not talking about wages actually coming down, are you, or simply no, a diminution no, of wage I'm, inflation? I am talking about the idea that people come back to work and they have they other people come back to work and they can't get their job. You know, I have Dutch Bros today, and David, you probably aren't aware, but they they are. Uh, they have hundreds of stores and they sell things. That they're now 70 percent cold brewed, but they find it very hard to keep people. Uh, and the reason why they find it hard to keep people is because of job hop. David, we must wreck job hop. You've got to be worried about your job. If they're worried about your job, you're not going to be demanding a raise. If you're not going to demand a raise and other people come back to work, then wages go lower and pal wins. David, pal will win. But in order to win, your stock portfolio goes lower. And that's what's happening. You come in this morning. It's like, and the question is, all right, how much, it's like, how much are you going to be down? I mean, it is, how much? I mean, let's say if uh, Green Bay loses, how much? You know, I mean, that kind of thing. I mean, you no. Know, I mean, there's just, I just, it doesn't matter. I picked it's that interesting. That's Sunday, that's Sunday Night Football, David. I don't know if you caught yeah. that. You know, the, the J.P. Morgan note, David, this morning basically points out that the industry's gym where you've had the lowest layoffs, the fewest hiring freezes have been food services, health care, education, hospitality. And those are the industries most associated with delinquencies. So it's going to take a while to, to create the household balance sheet pressure that you're looking for. Right. I mean, go back to what the president said. He is willing to accept a huge amount of inflation. The Federal Reserve is not. The Federal Reserve says the 40-year, which is you know, stable at this price, uh, is just not right for America. So, David, I know that uh, you don't want to conclude anything, but how about this, David? Let me posit this. When you have a 4% yield on the two-year, is that better than the 4% you could get from a stock? Yes. Yes? Yes. What do you mean, a 4% dividend yield from a stock? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Why? Why? Because the stock can go down. Darn it all. <laughs> You're good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I've, I've, as I like to always say, Carl, I have a very keen sense for the obvious. Keen sense for the obvious. Having worked all these years in this, it, in this industry paid off. as a reporter. Yeah, every so often it pays off. Congratulations. I mean, Verizon's got a 6.5% yield, Jim. You're going to buy oh, the stock? Yeah, yeah, that's Verizon. It's just uh, hands down the, the, the yield I least want. Did you get that? So that's the point. Yeah, I got it. Well, I got it. Hands, hands I got down. It. Hands Vesper. Yeah. <laughs> That's a stock joke. No, nothing gets by you. You're amazing. He's from Philadelphia. Yes, uh, Guys, so we do have the U.K. closed today, uh, as well as Japan. Britain is saying a final goodbye uh, to Queen Elizabeth II. Steve Sedgwick's on the ground in London with the latest. Good morning, Steve. Yeah, very good morning to you, Carl. Um, quite extraordinary events here in London and later on this afternoon in Windsor. We are around about two-thirds of the way through uh, a day uh, of the state funeral. We started off this morning where we saw the Queen's coffin, uh, which had been lying in state for four days, move from Westminster Hall in the Palace of Westminster behind me, uh, move just a few hundred yards at 10.44 a.m. this morning uh, to Westminster Abbey, where the state funeral was conducted uh, by the Archbishop of Canterbury. Uh, sermons included one from uh, uh, Liz Truss, the UK Prime Minister. That lasted around about 55 
minutes to one hour. Thereafter, we saw this extraordinary sight of the Queen's coffin being uh, carried on the estate gun carriage, uh, pulled along by 142 naval officers, all the way through horse guards, through Whitehall, uh, up the Mall, past Buckingham Palace, and up to Constitution Hill. It was an enormous uh, procedure, enormous procession, uh, commemoration of the Queen's 70 years uh, reigning here in the United Kingdom. The crowds in London were absolutely enormous. Tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people, tens of thousands more uh, are remain in Windsor waiting for the arrival of the state hearse uh, from which the Queen's coffin uh, was transferred earlier on today as well. We understand that this has become a global event and there are early estimates that around four billion people worldwide could have uh, witnessed the Queen's funeral uh, so far today. At the moment, as I speak, uh, the Queen's coffin is being carried in the state hearse um, to Windsor, which is approximately 21 miles uh, west of where we are here uh, in central London. I say we're around about two-thirds of the way through proceedings because we have had the state funeral and what we're going to see next is another procession uh, in Windsor where the King, King Charles III, uh, plus the Prince of Wales, plus the Duke of Sussex, of course, Prince Harry and other senior members of the royal family uh, will follow uh, the Queen's coffin up the long walk uh, to Westminster Castle and thereafter there will be another service, a committal service and a little bit later on uh, after that committal service in St George's Chapel we will see a private family service, the funeral uh, of Her Majesty of course who has been our Queen for 70 years. Well that's it uh, for now from here in London. Uh, we'll be back after a very short break on Squawk on the Street. The spirit of performance defines Acura and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Bitcoin is falling to a four-month low this morning, back below 19K. Other cryptocurrencies also under some pressure ahead of this week's Fed rate hike decision, Jim. I think uh, 18,387 was the number a lot of people watched. And 
I mean, we're over time slowly and slowly starting to associate Bitcoin with just a risk asset, right? As opposed to yes. a payment mechanism or an inflation hedge. I mean, look, I think what, what happened is, is there are a lot of companies that said by this point, we would all be trading Bitcoin. We would all be paying things with Bitcoin. It just turned out that the only companies that really have defended Bitcoin are the ones that continue to defend it. No one's using it that I know of, but the ads never stop. They are, it, David, this turned out to me to be 2000, 1999-2000. Remember how in the March-April period of 2000, the bulls of the NASDAQ kept coming in and trying to keep it up, and then ultimately they were just smashed? I mean, I don't know. There are a couple of people you know, David, who cannot let this thing come down. It is their life's work. They're dedicated. Yeah. Where, it's where, almost religious. Where are we, though? Where are we then? Are we in March-April, well, or are we past that already? Because that's an important uh, distinction. Oh, no, they're going to try again. I remember they, that they, time they, period well. I mean, the, the NASDAQ for people at the time at least peaked in March. I think it was March 10th of 2000, something like that. And March a lot, 15th. Uh, to your point, then we kind of and we, we came back but, um, down, but then there was a bit of a rally, and then we got crushed. Right. This is April 14, 17. This is where the rubber hits the road. You have people once again saying, you know what? This is a great asset. And then you have other people saying, we can't let this down. We can't. You know, last week I said that there are people who are trying to manip- manipulate this so it holds. Well, that was probably right. By the way, we yeah. have something interesting. Take two. All right. Now, someone stole the code for a grant, uh, you know, for Grand Theft Auto number six. And there's talk about ransomware. There is the only place, David, where I find people just saying, you know what? I'm going to use ran- I'm going to use it for ransomware. It can't be traced. I can't think of anyone else, David, who uses it in common currency except for the uh, the kidnappers, the money kidnappers. Right. That. Yeah, no, it's uh, in fact, there's an 8K out Rockstar Games, which is a take two. We're going to get into this. Uh, we'll take a look at the stock experience, what they call a network intrusion. An unauthorized third party illegally accessed and downloaded confidential information from its systems, including early development footage for the next Grand Theft Auto. Uh, They say current Rockstar Games not affected. They've taken steps to isolate and contain the incident, and they're going to keep working on the game. But, uh, yeah, take two's down on that, Jim. Yeah, well, we know that the Fed hates Bitcoin. I know that firsthand. They hate Bitcoin. They despise it. Look out from the arrow. It's a strong word, uh, despise, Jim. We'll we'll see. Maybe he'll get asked about it uh, on Wednesday. Uh, Still to come this morning, a cross-country edition of Kramer's Mad Dash. We'll count down to the opening bell. Got some calls to get to. We got another upgrade of Netflix today. Some upgrades of the home builders, including one double upgrade and more cuts on Adobe. We're back in a moment. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Take a look at futures here. More growth worries uh, across the curve. You got yields uh, elevated still as the 10-year did pass 3.5. Oil approaching 82 as uh, gas prices uh, continue their fall. NatGas may have its lowest close today since July. An opening bell coming up in a moment. And don't forget, you can always catch us anytime, anywhere. Just listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. Back in a moment. 
Welcome back. We're going to uh, squeeze in a mad dash, uh, as we say, cross country, uh, and then we'll get to an opening bell as we start to uh, a week here on not a good note, at least if you're long. AutoZone. Okay, so David, you've asked me uh, when we can stop, what would, what would cause the market to bottom, and okay, we'll go to AutoZone. All right, so AutoZone reports a fantastic number. The same store sales are up six. Uh, they bought back $4.4 billion, $4.4 billion worth of stock. What are they? They're a do-it-yourself auto company. They make it so that you can keep your car longer because new cars cost so much. This is a paradigm stock worth owning if you believe that the Fed's not done. And so it's kind of a, a Fed stock, so to speak. And I like it. I like it a lot. You like it a lot. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I like it a lot. I, I like it. <laughs> it's good. It's not Bitcoin. You want me to talk about Bitcoin? I'm not talking about Bitcoin. There is the opening bell and the CNBC real-time exchange of the big board. It's Ralph Lauren celebrating its 25th listing anniversary at the NASDAQ. VSC, a provider of repair services for land, sea, and air transportation. There's Ralph at the balcony gym. Uh, they do uh, lift their fiscal 23 guide and uh, their three-year outlook for uh, revenue CAGR goes from uh, to the mid to high single digit. Uh, investor days actually have been pretty good this year for some uh, consumer names. Starbucks and Levi's, just a couple examples of that. Again, there's this great anomaly. The Fed wants rates lower. The individual companies are doing very well with the exception of some techs. I, mean, I, I pulled up with Patrice Levay, he's the, the CEO. They are doing remarkable things. Uh, stock sells at 10 times earnings. But you know what, Carl? People will not care until the tightening is done. They'll just watch the thing go lower, and you'll say to yourself, well, when can I buy it? And the answer is, you can't buy it until the Fed's done. But boy, are they doing well. I think that's well, a great are, company. Until the Fed is done? Or do you think people start buying when the pace of heightening of tightening slows. I don't think you're calling for another 75 after no, this month. No, no, I, I, I think that if the Fed did what's prudent, which is say, you know what, we have just put, put through three bang up rate increases. Now we got to see what happens. Then you buy a Ralph Lauren because Ralph Lauren's doing incredibly well and it's at 10 times earnings. That's not sustainable. It's not sustainable to have a terrific company at 10 times earnings that is doing everything right with a good balance sheet. It's just not sustainable. So, Carl, add Ralph Lauren to the list of a company you want to buy after the Fed's spoken. It's kind of funny to sit here, look at the graph, and then look up and see him. <laughs> see Ralph Lauren right there while we're looking here. That's a first. He's, he's an icon. Yes. I mean, you think about the brand, what started in 69 or something like that, mm-hmm. surviving after every fashion cycle over the decades. I mean, it is, it is kind of incredible, Jim. They have a fantastic outfit in China. I think of all the CEOs that have come and gone in this company, this man is really terrific. Now, David, you're going to absolutely just love this. I know you are. He oh. has adopted the metaverse. So if you go into the metaverse that Mark Zuckerberg has, you can go into a Ralph Lauren store and you can order and make a look, take a look at how you feel. Now, others, he's an early adopter, David, an early adopter to the metaverse. I didn't know that. I yeah. Know that. I try to stay can, abreast of this. Can you, can you try on clothes in the metaverse? Exactly. See how they, see how they feel? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, the answer is, you, well, I don't, like how you feel somewhat subjective. Um, 
But I do think that if you want to go and you want to try on, say, cake, uh, 30, cake. 34 jeans, uh, yeah. that is the place to do it. Got it. Okay, as we watch you and Zuckerberg playing patty cake again. Well, yeah. Wait, his stock is going down 50 points as we played patty cake. Yeah, although that's, up today, uh, one of the rare names that's uh, in the green. Up although today? I've seen a little bit Wait of green. Wait a second. Up today. Wait a second. Up today. Meta is no. up uh, half a percent. No, how long can... It's up today? So far. So far. Off of 146, but yeah. yeah. Early. Yeah, not exactly, exactly. Uh, not uh, down 56% for the years you see in the upper right corner. They call them the Ravens. Um, another name that's up, uh, Carl's Netflix. You didn't get that uh, at all, I, the Ravens? They look. The Ravens? I got it. I think yeah. I got it. I don't, I'm not up to speed on all the scores. It's, so it's I, not it was a good weekend. Was. A lot of, of comebacks. A lot of upsets. My, my Jets had a comeback, I think. That was yeah. amazing. That was amazing. Some, some stats, like since 2016, there was has not been a less uh, expected. Yeah, the, the yeah. Amazon Next Gen stat was that their percentage of winning, Jim, was the lowest in the history of Next Gen stats. Yes. Well, I think, why don't we talk about Amazon for a second? There's a note this morning that says before you decide that FedEx uh, is how, why you should sell Amazon, remember, FedEx doesn't do any work with Amazon. And both sides are proud of that, by the way. And I think one of the things I think we have to think about is Amazon could be bottoming. And I say that because Amazon Web Services is doing great. They're great. They're hiring. Uh, Amazon retail is pretty good. Amazon advertising, David, is incredibly strong. I think that yep. this is a pandemic stock that is going to pass itself in the non-pandemic. Interesting. Okay. It's funny yes. you mention advertising because that also seems to be at least a bit of a catalyst behind Netflix shares. I think it was Mark Mahaney on Friday. We've got an Oppenheimer uh, upgrade today. Some analysts, at least, Jim, seem to be getting positive on the prospects for the ad tier at Netflix. Uh, Oppenheimer writing today, for example, and this is the idea here, basically. There's a larger opportunity to re-engage churn subscribers among 15% of U.S. churn subs, meaning those who've churned off. 43% would resubscribe at a lower price. So this idea that you can, A, reduce churn, get back subscribers who actually already left the service in part because of price and then have a robust advertising offering seems to at least be uh, bringing some analysts back into the buy fold, so to speak, for Netflix, shares of which are up uh, about 1% uh, right now. But David, where's the read through to Disney Plus? I mean, Disney stock, again, I think it's Disney's balance sheet. I think it's without a dividend. I think it's a pitiful, helpless giant. There just isn't enough to make you want to buy it because people are concerned about what would happen in a downturn. We're having a downturn. My travel trust owns it. I do feel a bit like uh, uh, Mickey and Minnie owning it. They were not geniuses, by the way, David. And I, I, I say to myself, Bob Chapek's got work to do. He has work to do still, which is really pretty well, incredible because he's been working. Well, Wells today says, and I'm quoting here, media sentiment about as weak as we've seen it. Yes. Streaming bad, linear bad, advertising bad. Folks may own some Disney where sentiment's gotten okay. Own Fox maybe on some cash. Uh, and to David's point, they are, quote, sniffing around Netflix as the AVOD strategy gathers some strength. But no one wants to step in until subs improve on the back of a stronger slate. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and when it comes to Disney, you're going to have the ad tier introduced in December. And it's going to be margin neutral, at least, potentially margin accretive, Jim. So... 
you know, we'll see what the numbers end up looking like there. Uh, I would note, of course, Paramount shares are up. You had Bob Backus tell us on Friday that the ad market doesn't look nearly as bad as seems to be reflected in many of these stock prices or the sentiment out there. Um, well. <laughs> but, Jim, you know, we'll see. Uh, obviously, Disney below a $200 billion market value right now, but still about $90 billion above Netflix. It's not that long ago that I can recall when Netflix had a market value that exceeded Disney's by quite a bit. Yeah, I, I think that one of the things that people have to recognize is that they don't know things. I don't know if Bob Chapek knows anything about fantasy. I don't know if he knows the 50 million people who rely on ESPN fantasy. I don't know if he knows how important it is for uh, the fourth quarter. Uh, I don't know how important it is. Does he know about gambling? The, their best hope, they should just go merge with DraftKings or buy it. Well, they're not going to do that. You know that. But he did, uh, I mean... He did talk a lot about his thoughts well, for ESPN. Do? Do Shared, they, I think, more than he any? has so far. And but there's going to be no a link out to a site where they can make it frictionless. I think they fully understand the opportunities. So that's why they're keeping ESPN, Jim. David, if they fully understand it, the football season has started already. It started. We're on game three. If you really understand it, you do it during preseason. What, do you wait well, now? You, you can't introduce you, it in the middle of, I think, of the football I think season? These things, I think these things take time to develop. And you're talking about a lot of different parties, third parties. you got yeah. the leagues to deal with. You've got the they're not going to become a betting site, Disney. So you've got to deal with outside parties. Uh, those things take time, Jim. Oh, well, they got a lot of time on their hands, right? They, can, they got time to go to 90. They got time to go to 87. <laughs> How about fixing the balance sheet, David? What can they do to fix the balance sheet? Got any ideas there? Yeah, you just keep generating cash flow and paying down debt. That's what you do to fix the balance sheet. Well, how are they doing on that? Doing all right. All right. They're doing all right. Is that, like, fine? Yeah, that's fine. David, nobody's I know talking that I want to buy my theme a, park. Nobody's talking about it being a threat of any kind. You know, they have, to, they have to make of... theme parks bigger, and they have to understand the mind of the gambler. The mind. And they don't. Nor do they understand fantasy and the, the hold that fantasy has on our country. Carl, fantasy, we have people in four or five leagues. They would easily pay for a little more feed and for gambling, not having to go to DraftKings from uh, the ESPN site. Carl, why don't they realize that they have a gold mine? Do you know that Bob Iger, I get, in 2009, I told him this. Um, it, it was kind of like Carrie in the gymnasium scene. Ouch. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm more on David's side. Uh, Chapek last week seemed to indicate that the younger Disney user is ready to bet, even if it's on a third party, and certainly ready to watch more adult content on a Disney platform, hence the Hulu strategy. So, well, then why is it where it is? Yep. Why is it where it is? Oh, is it because it sells at 20 asked times an, earnings? Asked and answered. Asked and answered. Well, right? I, I just think that when I look at cable, uh, no, I don't look at cable anymore I, because I, 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 have to, I have to protect my eyesight. You realize what we're on right now? Just, just making sure. What's, what's, what's paid your salary for all these years? No, no, look, I, I think these stocks are cheap. I just think that they, they need a raison d'etre. Raison d'etre. They debt. do. Yeah. You, know, you don't pronounce CRE. How about our parent? You want any comments on our parent company at all since you're sort of, you know, ready to I, throw around a lot of criticism? Look, they generate a huge amount of cash. They pay a great deal. <laughs> hey, stop it. Stop it. I'm telling Stop it. You big meanie. I, you three. He could have been a lot me. worse. 
They do gen it generates a, a huge amount of cash. We're going to use the buybacks. I bought some oh, in the just, open market. Why? Because that it's too cheap. Looks, that, how about the that terminal value great. that Moffitt and Nathanson are No! Yeah. Stop laughing at me! <laughs> <laughs> Guys, let's. Uh, let, it's let me, always painful. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Everybody out there, this is the only stock we're allowed to own. That's right. That's right. Some Jim, of us do. Uh, let me get you on some home builders because they are helping to lead today. Uh, uh, we get some uh, upgrades of, of Horton, Toll, KBH, Lennar. Uh, is, that, is that deserved in this rate environment? Okay, so I mean, there are some stocks that seem absurd. KBH sells at two and a half times next year's earnings. They do report this week. I think the quarter's going to be okay. This is a bet that the Fed is only going to do one more beyond this one. Uh, and mortgage rates are not going to go to 7, 8. Uh, I like this call. I would like it even more if the companies were in there buying back stock uh, and saying, listen, our stock's so low. Uh, that has not really happened yet. But I like this call if only because if you want to know about what's just been obliterated, Obliterated Carl's the home builders. I mean, they're just—they're unbelievable. They've caught fire. There's no fire department. Yeah, um, guys, wanted to come back to take two. We talked about it a bit, of course, earlier in the show. Uh, just to reiterate again, another hack, another seemingly—you uh, know—damaging, potentially damaging hack. Um, they admitted as well uh, in an 8K that was filed a, a bit ago. Rockstar Games recently experienced what they call a network intrusion in which an unauthorized third party illegally accessed and downloaded confidential information from its systems, including early development footage for the next Grand Theft Auto. Current Rockstar games, they say, are unaffected and they are isolating uh, uh, and containing the incident. May be related to that Uber hack, unclear exactly, but seems to be some young hacker out there who's doing pretty well. By the way, on that note, I would move on to a company uh, called No Before. No Before uh, is actually in the business of trying to get people who are employees to be aware of phishing, to be aware of security and, and get trained on that uh, because 85% of all these intrusions occur as a result of human error. Somebody clicks on something they shouldn't. Um, I mention this company because it's got a bid uh, from Vista, uh, the large private equity firm run by, uh, run by Robert Smith, of course. It's focused on uh, software as a service, enterprise software companies. It has largely, for a lot of its history, and certainly recently, been focused on buying companies that are in the private market. So you're buying a private company. But lately, Vista has been focused on the public markets. And that may be an important point for people to keep in mind. This is not a large company, but it is a sign, perhaps, that Vista itself sees value in the public markets uh, that is better or at least cheaper than going after private market companies at this point. 97% of all enterprise software companies are private, so when you're focused on that as a firm that buys them, you're tending towards the private markets. But, Jim, I notice, you know, of late we've been talking about Vista and the public markets. In this case, they're offering, as you saw, $24 a share for what they don't already own, 39% premium over the uh, recent stock price. They have a significant holding here. There are some others as well. KKR is an owner, but some have been selling. Um, we'll see what the company actually chooses to do here. Founder-led company. Uh, and again, you know, the annual uh, recurring revenues are what they focus on at Vista. They like it and they like the potential multiples that they may be able to get on these companies as long-term investors, Jim. 
in the public markets. And I think that's an important thing, distinction, because it could be pointing to signs of value. Maybe not now, but soon. Oh, what a great, it's just a great point. And look, I think that we're close to, you have to go through these hikes, but there's so many stocks that are worth a lot more than they're selling for uh, that if you can take the pain, again, you got to take the pain. But David, if private equity were to come in and we know they have all sorts of money, what that says is really smart people don't care about the short term. And David, it also may mean that there's hope for, say, the Goldman Sachs, where there's maybe some activity that they can rely on. Yes, there, there is a little bit of activity, certainly not in the go public area, Carl, as, as we know, we're at a historic low for IPO issuance. Um, let's see, what's the number? 238 days without a tech IPO above $50 million oh as of today. God. That's that's longer than the great financial crisis, and it's longer than the dot-com bust, uh, as in the wow. as said in the FT today. Is that amazing? Wow. That is incredible. I mean, that does say, again, about the sentiment. People want, I know there are a lot of companies that want to come public. I know there are a lot of companies that want to merge. But, David, so many people are worried about antitrust that they don't even put deals out there that would make so much sense. But at, at the bottom, don't some companies just have to say, listen, we got to chance it with the uh, FTC, we got to chance it with justice? Yes, and I think some will and some are making those decisions. But you combine the regulatory framework right now and the concern about whether your deal may get blocked or challenged with negotiating a price on a market like this. And those are two things that make things very difficult in terms of what your buyer expects in value and what your seller's willing to part with, particularly when things are so, they're always uncertain. But right now, even more so. And reflected, of course, in the market. Uh, don't Guys, you want to buy small bounce. Here. Got a oh, small bounce at the open. You want to buy <laughs> we, uh, The Dow opened down 263. Let's get to Bob Asani. Morning, Bob. You're right, Carl. The low print was actually right at the open. Uh, of course, the market's really worried that the FedEx announcement is going to be the new normal for earnings. I'm doubtful about that. But take a look at the sectors because we're bouncing a little bit today. Remember, last week, healthcare held up pretty well. Energy held up pretty well. Guess what's down today? Energy and healthcare. Tech was really poor. Industrials were really poor. Transports were at a 52-week low on Friday on the FedEx announcement. They're down slightly to flattish. So a little bit of a reversal of the trend last week. In terms of the movers, well, FedEx, <laughs> that was at a two-year low uh, on Friday. That's bouncing a little bit. Some of the, uh, the travel stocks like Carnival have been up. Uh, Royal Caribbean's up today. Some of the airlines are up. Uh, Carl mentioned Pulte and DR Horton getting that upgrade at uh, Key Bank. Toll also got the upgrade. Maybe, but remember, you go from 4.1% on a 30-year to 6.1%, that's about $1,000 a month on a $750 to $800,000 mortgage. That is going to reduce home prices. People are going to bid lower because they still want to get that house. And that's how you do it. You bid lower. Uh, in terms of FedEx, you know, again, the, over the weekend, is this the new normal, the big warnings? I'm a little doubtful. They were very specific in what they said. Remember, they said weakness in Asia and service challenges in Europe. And remember, we had all these sell side conferences I kept talking about a few weeks ago in the last two weeks. I didn't hear any of this immense gloominess. Uh, we had banking conferences. Amex spoke. It was all right. Toll Brothers was OK. I didn't hear this mass gloominess. So I'm a little skeptical that all of a sudden we have to dramatically cut earnings expectations uh, for the quarter. Everybody was quoting Michael Hartnett at Bank of America on Friday. He had this. This was the quote of the weekend. Everyone was passing around. For the S&P 500, nobody knows what to do. He said, nibble at 3,600, bite at 3,300, gorge at 3,000. So we're at 3,850 right now. That's a long way down to bite at 3,300. 
But you can see why. People think now all of a sudden we have to reset the expectations. We had this in May and June. Remember, everyone was reducing the numbers. So here's where we are now. The four quarters going forward are all positive. In a real earnings recession, all this goes negative, down anywhere from a little bit to 25%. They reduced them the last quarter. They're still positive. Maybe they'll have to go down a little bit more here. But so far, they are not cutting the estimates into negative territory. What has gotten cut is technology. That's why the S&P has had such a hard time. Just look at the S&P tech sector. Q3, we're up 5.8%, and now we're down. Q4, up 8.6, now 1.4. That's going to go negative. That 1.4, guarantee you, that's going to go negative. So there's where the problem with the S&P is. They are cutting the numbers in the technology sector. And everybody says, well, are we going to challenge the new lows? Hey, if you look at the global market, we essentially are at new lows. I mean, the S&P is doing a little bit better. It's up, it's 6% off of the lows we hit on June 16th. China's doing a little better. But look around the rest of the world. We're essentially there, Carl. Europe, Japan, Korea, they're only about 1% off of 52-week lows. So the important thing here is earnings expectations still expected to come down, but not dramatically. Carl, back to you. All right, Bob. Thank you for that, uh, Bob Pisani. Uh, Dow shaving its losses under 100 points. As we go to break, watch bonds today. Two-year uh, got to 396. 10-year gets almost to 352. Uh, both of those, of course, uh, multi-year highs. German boons, by the way. On a 10-year basis, break above the June high. Even got oil off the lows as a WTI back to 83 and a half. Back in a moment. Take a look at some of the biggest laggards on the NDX. Moderna is going to lead you lower today, almost 6%, although hasn't traded too badly so far this month. But we're uh, getting close to the lower part of the range for the month of September, along with some other biotech uh, lagging today. Although Dow continues to shave losses, now down only 50 points. Back in a moment. Jim, you mentioned uh, Dutch Bros. What else tonight? We have Intuit, which I think is a fantastic measure of small, medium-sized business. And then I'm going out to uh, look at the cruise, the uh, GM self-drive. Uh, this week is about trying to figure out when will tech stop, if is it real, because we got to find out, because tech represents value. I just don't know how low value is going to go. Jim, it's a big week. Uh, really good to have yes. you out there. And, of course, we'll talk CRM as we work our way through the next oh, few days. It's, uh, it's, it's <laughs> Dreamforce. Fantastic. Right, Thank you. We'll see you. Uh, come, still to come this morning, uh, Marriott's uh, Tony Capuano on inflation, travel, and returning to the office as the company opens its new headquarters today. Dow down 77 and the S&P holding 38.65. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.